guys. Uh, isn't she a beauty? Amen. That's right. That's a loud amen for that one. Uh, it's funny, you know, like I've, I've pastored for a long time. I think the next year's my 30th year of full-time ministry. I just never get tired of seeing you, honey, up here just ministering, doing stuff. I just, I'm proud of her. She's good. Come on, let's give Nina a hand. It was different this year. I think this is our first Christmas in, since 2016 that we're actually in Brisbane. Normally we go to Adelaide and we spend time with our extended family. But this year, our kids went everywhere. So we got a daughter living in London and she went to New York. And so our daughter living here in uh, Brisbane, she went to London as well. But they had a family Christmas because they, Nina, because she's Italian, has got family everywhere, right? And so she's got family in New York. And uh, so they had a great Italian feast over there in uh, New York City. But we missed them. But my son was still here. Hey, he didn't leave us, right? They say your sons are the ones that leave. Not true, right? So, uh, <laughs> uh, fantastic. So I'd like to welcome you to the last Sunday for 2023. Now, it just went so quick. Who thinks that this year, this last year, has gone really quick? But it's crazy, isn't it? And they say as you get older, it seems to go quicker. Well, it's true. Like, it was ridiculous. I just remember starting the year, and now it's already the end of the year. So tomorrow is 2024. It's amazing, isn't it? 2024. My advice to you is to leave behind all the bad bits, the bad parts of 2023. Leave behind the disappointments, leave behind the failures, leave them in 2023 and don't walk into 2024 with those things. Instead, walk into 2024 with your victories, remembering God's mercy, God's provision and God's favour on your life. So it's a kind of a choice that we get to make. In reality, it's just one day to another. It's no different from January the 26th to the 27th or June the 1st to June the 2nd. But there comes a mindset in the sense of going into a new year. So you get a choice. You get a choice to reset. And I would advise you to reset. For this year, for the church, it really was a year of restored momentum. We started to have momentum and to see such a good crowd in here this morning is, is, is just excellent. We got momentum after having no momentum for years. Right now, you've got to understand the way that I was trained, in a sense, in the things of the kingdom is that you would provide, do something, have something. Momentum would be created. And then as a pastor, you'd work with the momentum. But we were unable to do that during the pandemic. We couldn't start anything. We couldn't do anything. Anything that you thought to have planned, well, who knows if you could have it anyway. And so momentum was hard to get. And so when you have momentum, it's just much easier to pastor because you just really got to keep it going. It, it, it's not that hard. But to start momentum is really, really difficult. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And so this year has been a year of restored momentum. I, I've loved what's happened in the church. In many ways, we've probably had the best 
year of immersed church has ever, ever had. And I give God praise and I give God glory for that. So that's how I'm walking in. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. So that's how I'm walking into the year 2024. I'm going to walk into a year believing for continued momentum, that God is going to continue to work and do some great things. So I'm going to preach this morning. And in one way, I'm preaching in a unique way. And then I actually have very few notes. Normally when I preach, I've kind of like got a start and I've got a middle and I've got to finish. I look at it as if I'm taking you on a journey. I'm starting here, we're going there, and hopefully I can land the plane at the end whereby you hear something from the Lord. So I don't really want you to hear from me. I want you to hear what God has to say to you through me. And you hear me when I pray mostly for my messages, Lord, let people hear from you, not just from me. But today, I'm doing something different in that I'm about to repeat myself 24 times, right? So this could be the most boring message that you've ever heard in your life. And if you came to church for the first time, you go, God, that's the day I chose. All right, so uh, I'll try and make it a little bit entertaining, but I just feel that God wants to say something to us. You see, recently I've been going through the book of Luke. Pastor David, you would love this message because it's all about the book of Luke, which is Pastor David's favorite uh, book of the Bible. And there's 24 chapters in the book of Luke. And I believe that there's a theme that comes across in every chapter of the book of Luke. One message comes through each chapter 24 times. But it's a message and a theme that I feel is very important. And and personally, if I look at my own Christianity, as I look at my own walk with God, I hope, and if if it isn't so, I, I would like it to be more, that my life is marked with this message, that, that, that what comes out, I believe, 24 times in the book of Luke is actually coming out of my life. It really is the story of Jesus because that's what the Gospels are. They're, they're the story of Jesus and Jesus on this earth and what he did and who he saw and how he responded and how he reacted and, and all those different things. It's a story of God coming to earth in the form of man and then how he acted. So I believe that as Jesus acted, we should act. I think that Jesus was a great model. I think that he was a great example. So if Jesus is acting like this, then I should probably try and act like that. So let me pray. Father, I pray that as I repeat myself 24 times, that Lord, you'll be able to get a message through, not just through repetition, not in just someone's head, but Father, into their heart, oh God. Father, let them hear something that I believe is very important to you and how we live and how we walk and how we should go into 2024. So as I said before, I'm believing for 2024 to be a year of continuing momentum. 
But one area that I would love to see momentum established, we have a measure of it, but not how I would love to see, in an area that I'd love to see is the area of people coming to Christ. People who did not know Jesus coming to Christ. And I believe it's really important to God. I believe that salvation and the message of salvation and the message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, is very important to God. And it's a message that we see Jesus teach, example, and disciple. And, and, and I believe that we should start to see the salvation of people who have yet to know God. I am grateful and thankful for every one of you. I'm glad that every one of you come to church. I'm glad to see so many of you who have given your lives to Christ, being in church, growing in God, being discipled in God. But I want to see more people who've yet to know Jesus come into this place because that has to be one of the main reasons the church exists. And I'm believing that in 2024, they're going to see people whose lives were changed. Amen. You know, when, until I was 20, I was just of the world, having no consciousness or knowledge of God. But the gospel, Jesus Christ, came into my life, and it was, I was changed. And I'm believing that there's lots of Marks out there. There's lots of Ninas out there that need to know Jesus. Amen. So let's go through. God wants to... Evangelize. He wants us to evangelize, to tell people, an example to people who Jesus is, who his Father is, and who the Holy Spirit is. And each chapter of Luke, I believe there's a focus on telling people about God and our responsibility to be living, speaking, walking examples of God's kingdom. So that's what Jesus did. So this morning... I'm going to go through a scripture or a story from each chapter and hopefully after 24 reminders, you too will get this message, God's message from the book of Luke. So Luke 1 verse 16, John the Baptist will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, but his core message was to turn people's hearts. They had hearts directed one way, but John's message turned their hearts. And the message that comes out of us should turn the hearts of people who had no interest in God, only interested in themselves, to start to have a heart for God. That, the, that, that change comes into people's lives. Now, we know it. If I were to hand a microphone around, we would be here till next year with all of you telling the stories of how Jesus has changed your life, of how there was a time when you couldn't care less about God, but now that God is everything to you. The gospel changes people's lives. Luke 2, verse 32. The light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. That's the words of Gabriel, the archangel, as she tells Mary about the child she's about to become pregnant with. Right here we see a change. See, up till then, 
the Jewish nation was all about its own ways and its own laws and its own traditions and its own teachings. If you wanted to know God, you had to become a Jew. You had to do it this way. But now God is saying, no, he is going to be a light to the Gentiles, to the Jewish mind that was radical. To the Jewish mind, that was something they couldn't kind of really comprehend. Because of Jesus, it's not just the Jews. Now everybody, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every person has the same great common access to God through Jesus Christ. And we see it start to work in Luke 3. Luke 3, 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Verse 14, soldiers also asked him, talking to John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist's ministry has an immediate effect. Tax collectors and Roman soldiers start finding salvation and start repenting and changing. We see a theme that comes through a lot in the book of Luke, which you'll see as I continue speaking. See, the tax collectors were despised. They were Jewish people taking advantage of their own people. And Roman soldiers were also despised because they were the occupying army that all the Jews wanted to get rid of because they were occupying. And this shows us that the people we most despise also need to hear the gospel. Every demographic needs to hear the gospel. Even the enemies of the church. Let's believe for their salvation. Let's not hate any demographic. Let's not hate any group, no matter how opposite they are to what we stand for. They may be haters of the church. They may oppress us. They may take advantage of us. But Jesus says the gospel is for everyone. And when the good news is preached, tax collectors and soldiers also come and repent. Luke 4 carries on this story. It's where Jesus goes into the uh, uh, synagogue in Nazareth and he starts to read from the book of Isaiah. And he basically declares that he is the Messiah. He reads from Isaiah 60 and and, and he's basically saying, I am the Messiah. I, I am the one that this is speaking of. They get all uptight about it. And then he says these words, which is once again, just radical to the Jewish mind. He goes, well, when Elijah was around, there was a big drought. Things weren't going well. And there were many widows. But Elijah only goes to the widow in Zarephath, someone who wasn't of Israel. Right? And then he goes, there was many lepers in in, in that time, but only Naaman who was a a, a Syrian general, he's the only one that got healed. They got mad. No, God's for us. God's for the Jews. God can't be doing things for for someone who's not in the club. God can't be doing something. No, they get mad. And the Bible says they get so mad that what they do, they get him and they try to throw him off a cliff. But he was a great rugby player and he just walked through the crowd. Right? Imagine how many tries he could have scored for the, uh, what are they called? The Maroons, right? So, like, he just walked through the crowd. See, the thing is, is that we've got to 
And this is my heart. I want the church to grow. I want the church to be healthy. I want you to love church, grow in church, be discipled in the things of God. But we have a message for those who have yet to be in church. And I'm believing that in 2024, that we're going to have a larger impact on those outside the church because we need to be doing that. See, it's the same message. Care about the direction a person's heart is, not about what they look like or how they think on the outside. Luke 5. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus says these words after the Pharisees, which is getting, getting mad, which is really a common theme through the whole book of Luke. The Pharisees getting mad, right? Because he had called Levi a tax collector. This hated tax collector, Jesus, had got, and, and they're mad. How dare you kind of talk to him? How dare you? You shouldn't be having anything to do with him. He's a terrible person, but yet Jesus didn't. He says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's the same message. Luke 6, but love, verse 35, but love your enemies and do good, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. I find this one of the most challenging statements about God. See, if he's kind to someone who's kind to him, if he's kind to someone who's doing all the things that they're supposed to, if he's kind to those people, I get that. But God is kind to the evil and the great ungrateful. That's the heart that we should have. Don't make church all about church people, but also love the enemies of the church. Do good to them. Not just an ambivalence, but in action. If God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, then we need to example that and be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Luke 7, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. He says this after healing a centurion servant. So here's Jesus spending time with someone outside the club of centurions and who heals his servant. In the same chapter, he also allows a known prostitute. Not just, just a known, everyone knows who this lady is. He allows a known prostitute to kiss his feet and anoint his feet with oil. What, a, what an amazing person Jesus was. What a security he had in himself that God was with him. See, we've got to start to see a pattern in Jesus' behavior and in Jesus' statements. In Luke 8, once again, see, he's going somewhere else outside of the people of Israel, the children of Israel. He goes to the Gerasenes. The Gerasenes is opposite Nazareth across the Lake of Galilee. And what happens is that it's a completely Gentile place. That's where they have pig farming. Everyone is there, is not Christians. There are no Jews there. Of course, they're not Christians yet. They're not Jewish. They're not of the, the, in the right place. And he goes over there. Immediately what happens 
is that he is attacked by a demoniac. A guy who has many demons in him and he rebukes the demons. He sets this guy free. The demons go into these pigs. The pigs run into the, into the water. It's an amazing scene. And then after, he's in his right mind. And the demoniac comes to him and he says, can I follow you, Jesus? Can I come with you? Can I be in your club? Can I be with you, Jesus? And Jesus says, no. He says, I want you to stay here. And I want you to tell all the things, the good things that that God has done. And what happens is that we see the next time that Jesus comes to that area, he's greeted by a whole crowd. And that one man, that demoniac, after seeing what God, uh, 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 that demoniac who has been healed, he starts telling people about Jesus and all of a sudden the crowd comes. Right, Jesus was more interested. Go out and say what God has done. We've got to use our testimony of what God has done. In Luke 9, a Samaritan village, see, Jesus seems to spend a lot of time with people who weren't like him, who weren't Jewish like him. And, and, and they reject him. And he didn't mind whether they rejected him or accepted him. He was still there. So James and John, two of his disciples, they get all mad and they get all self-righteous and they call, they said, God, shall we call for fire from heaven to come and burn this village? And I sometimes wonder whether that attitude is in the church. We sometimes want to see evil and horrible things happen to our enemies, to those who don't accept the truth, to those who don't accept or reject what it is that we know to be the truth. And I don't think it's a godly reaction. I don't think it's a reaction that God wants us to have. I, I, I believe that God wants us to check our attitudes when it comes to the, to the enemies of the church. Luke then, Luke 10 then tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Once again, a Samaritan. See, the Bible actually, in different places, goes and takes the time to tell us that Samaritans and Jews didn't hang out. They were of different ways. One was of this way, one was of the other way, yet almost every chapter, Jesus is with a Samaritan, Jesus with a Gadarene, Jesus with a tax collector, Jesus with a prostitute, Jesus with a Roman soldier. Jesus is with someone like that all the time. Have we completely surrounded our lives only with other Christians and believers? I hope not. See, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritans mentioned, we know the story. The religious people did nothing. The Samaritan paid a personal price. I want to say this. See, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan in relation when a a Pharisee is trying to catch him out. He says, well, who's my neighbor? See, we're with our brothers and sisters. If you're a born-again believer, if you've trusted Jesus with your life, you are my brother, you are my sister. We are the family of God. So it's those outside that is our neighbor. It's those who are not yet in the church who are our neighbours. See, the world are our neighbours. We have proximity, but we don't have relationship yet. So I'm repeating myself. God wants us to do good things for those who aren't like us. And one of the things I love, just on Christmas Day, this has gone past, there's a group of people from our church that after Christmas service, they went and they went and visited the homeless and they did some kindnesses and they did some nice things. They weren't accepted by everyone. They were rejected by some. 
but they did a kindness. They, they paid a personal price to go and speak to someone not like them. Could have been at home with their families, having a nice Christmas lunch, doing those things. But they said, no, there's some people who haven't got anything today. There's some people who haven't got anyone to talk to or be nice to or, or do something kind to. I'm going to give up my personal comfort and I'm going to go and sit with them. I want to hear more stories like that come again and again and again. Luke 11. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, but neglect justice and the love of God. You know, some of the harshest words that Jesus ever speaks are from Luke 11. And he's speaking to Pharisees and lawyers. See, our faith can't just be about being holy and right before God. That's important. We want to do those things. That's right to do those things. But we can't neglect that there has to be a demonstration of our faith to other people. We cannot neglect that. We are responsible to example and show the love of God. See, it's not just about being right before God. It's also about demonstrating who God is to others. Luke 12, 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will always acknowledge before the angels of God. We have a responsibility to acknowledge God before man. In 2024, we've got to put away, away, we've got to put aside our embarrassment that we love God or what other someone might say. But what if they reject me? What if they do this? What if they do that? But what if they believe you? What if they hear you? What if they accept it? What if they hear what it is that God has to do? Let's acknowledge God. Don't be a closet Christian. Don't be a secret agent Christian. Let's acknowledge God in what we do. And I want to say, people are more open than you think. Right? Because if they've seen your life working, and they've seen your love, and they've seen your empathy, and they've seen your lack of judgment, and they've seen your hard work, and they've seen everything about you, you emerge as someone that's got a voice in their life. You emerge as someone that can be listened to. And so let's not be embarrassed. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be backward. Let's not wait for the perfect opportunity, but let's just acknowledge God before people and let God do the rest. What will happen, Luke 13, 29, and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of the Lord, the kingdom of God. God isn't just for the select few, right? The, the, the Calvinists have not read this verse, right? God is not for the elect few, he's for everyone, from the east and from the west and from the north and the south to recline at the table in the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus says this, after telling the story of the man who appeared before God and said, God, but I did this for you and, and I did that for you and, and I cast out and I did that. And he goes, depart from me, I never knew you. 
See, it's not about doing all the stuff. It's actually about knowing Jesus. And when we know Jesus, people want that. People are drawn to that. No one lived a more righteous life than Jesus did. No one did all the rules better than Jesus did. Yet the world flocked to him. Sinners flocked to him because they saw the truth of who he was. They knew that he knew the Father. Luke 14, the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Jesus tells this story to someone who self-righteously proclaims that he is going to be at the banquet at the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I invited a whole lot of people. I invited the club. I invited everyone. But they all made an excuse why they wouldn't come. Why they couldn't come. I've got to do this. And I've got to put that first. And, and, and I can't put the kingdom first because I've got to put my kingdom first. And he goes, so just go out and invite everyone. To the Jewish mind, this is radical, this is revolutionary. And no wonder, no wonder the Pharisees hated him so much. Because he's saying, God is the one who controls salvation, man does not. And that's what religion is, is when man says, I can control whether you're saved or not. And let me tell you, that is the ultimate power. If you believe that I can have the, I have the power to put you in heaven or hell, you will do whatever I want. And that was all about power and it was all about control and it was all horrible. And Jesus saying, no, nah, no, nah, this is not how we do it. This is not how, I, I'm going to go out to the highways and byways. Just let them come in as they are. Luke 15, 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus tells three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And he says it in response because the, the Pharisees are grumbling again. And, and, and he says it because they're, they're, they're grumbling about Jesus uh, uh, eating and, and being with sinners. It says they're grumbling. The Bible says that they, 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 this man receives sinners and eats with them. And they're grumbling about that. And he tells the story of the lost son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. And what he's saying, and at the end of each one, there's rejoicing. Yeah. See, we want to have rejoicing when someone comes to Christ. Yeah. We can't be like the prodigal son's older brother who just sees what it costs me. You know, when some people come to church, they're not going to look like us. You know, I was in church. No, no, no I won't tell that story. I won't tell that story. I won't. I won't. But we're going to see some challenging things. We're going to see some things that, we're not going to like. I remember doing a prayer meeting recently. No, no, I can't, I can't tell that story. I've got self-control, finally. 61 years, it's there. God and heaven rejoice when people come to Christ. You know, sometimes we go, oh, you can do an order call now, but church is finished, supposed to be finished 10 minutes ago. Or five minutes ago, you're going to do an altar call. And we're kind of like looking, and, and at that time, we're doing an altar call, and you think, oh, good, church is finished, and you start to think, okay, I want to get in line at the front, at the coffee, so I get coffee first. We should be praying. We don't ask you to bow your heads and, and, and you know, close your eyes. I want you praying. 
I want, I want you praying. I know for many years, whenever I'd worship, I, I, I would think of, of someone that I was at, at, at work with, right? And, I, and I'd think about that, and, and what I'd do is I'd just pray, God, don't touch me, touch them. Touch them. I think about someone I was working with, and, and because I, I've had a thousand touches from God. I want those who have yet to be touched by God have a touch. You know, that altar call, it's important. It's, it's, we want to see people saved. Let's not, let's not see it as, oh, good, it's the time to finish. It's, it's, let's, let's take a seriousness about God because he's dealing with eternity in people's lives. Let's be happy about that. Luke 16 tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, about a, a rich man who had everything, couldn't care less about the poor man at, the, at, the, at, at his gate. And so we have a responsibility to share with people what we have that they haven't got. And every one of us in this place who is called Jesus their Lord has the knowledge of Jesus and who Jesus is. And we are responsible to tell all people. Luke 17 tells the story of the 10 lepers all healed. And Nina did a fantastic job of this the other night. And that's the attitude of gratefulness. If you can watch it on YouTube, it, it'll really stir your heart. You need to do it. Only the Samaritan comes back. Jesus doesn't discriminate, neither should we. Luke 18 verse 9, I tried to keep all the scriptures short, but this one just says it so well that I had to read the whole lot. So we're going to read a few five scriptures here. Luke 18 verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Do you know treating others with contempt is really one of the most unchristian characteristics that you can have? You will not find contempt ever in Jesus' attitudes. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Like, what an attitude. Oh, my gosh. Right? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. To be honest, that story pretty much sums up my message. Religion always makes you feel like you're better than someone else. It's, it's, it's horrible. We're not better, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus. And I pray, please, Lord, let that never be acceptable here at Emerge Church. We're not better. We may have better skills. We may have better this or that, but we're not better. We're all sinners in the hands of God who need Jesus Christ. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Once again, the Pharisee's getting all uptight because he went to Zacchaeus' house. Bad man, Zacchaeus. See, Jesus knew his reason for coming. It wasn't just to do all the things of the law. It was to seek and save the lost. 
we have that responsibility as well. Luke 20, getting near the end. He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them. Imagine what that gaze was like. You know, Nina can give me a gaze sometimes. She can just say, right, oh, okay, all right, all right. She doesn't need to kick me anymore. I've learned the gaze. But imagine that gaze of Jesus looking directly at them and says, well, when, what then is that, is, is this, that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So that's the parable of the wicked tenants who the landlord went away. And he sent people, but they killed him. And then eventually they sent his son, but they killed him as well. It's a warning against becoming religious where you allow the practice of your faith to become more important than the living out of your faith. Where knowing the tenets of your faith are more important than actually knowing Jesus. It's a very subtle difference but it's actually a huge difference. You know, yesterday morning, I like to come and pray. I like to pray on a Saturday and golf was cancelled because of electric, of the lightning. And, and I came here and normally I, I, I come into the uh, auditorium and I pray. And uh, yesterday I couldn't because people were here playing drums, right? But... Uh, Hey, Nick, where are you? Right, hey, there you are, right. So, uh, which is good. So, did a good job today. Practicing. So, I went in my office and I put on this piece of music, not the music I played one time here before, another piece of music. And I just started to just get into worship. And I just started to feel the presence of God. And, and I just started, and all of a sudden, this thought came to me. Stop doing this and start to pray that people would come to church. Start to pray that the meeting is going to be amazing. Start to pray for Jason who's leading. Start to pray for souls to be saved. Start to, and it became all process. It became all task. It became all, all job. And, and yet God was just saying, Mark, just sit some time in my presence. And, and then this thought came to me, I'll do that and then I'll pray after. You know, and I'll do this for like half an hour, then I'll finish my hour of prayer because I've got to do my hour of prayer. Can you, can you see the difference? One's almost like, I've got to do this, otherwise God's not going to bless me. I better do this because otherwise God's not going to move. Otherwise God's not going to do it. God's just saying, can you just be my son? Can you just talk to me? As, as, a, as a, a wife ever said that to a husband, right? But, uh, right, can you just, just, let's just talk. And, that, and that's what it was. Uh, to have a moment with God was way more important than doing the task of praying for a Sunday. And I need to pray for a Sunday. I want to pray for a Sunday. I'm going to continue doing that. But yesterday, God's saying, hey, just spend some time with me. That's the difference. That's the difference. Luke 21 tells the story of the widow's offering. And really what I want to say to you is this. I want to encourage you. It doesn't take much to get God's attention. It only takes a mustard seed of faith. You're not responsible to tell everyone the whole things of every doctrine and, and everything you know about Jesus. 
Just tell them about the Jesus that you know. And then God will do enough with that little bit. You all know my story. It was someone who didn't even know Jesus to this day has not given their life to Christ who told me first about the church and about Jesus and about this meeting that she went to and God was able to use that to spark something in me. And all of a sudden, this direction, this, this direction, this, this, I've got to seek after that. I've got to seek after that. God is the one who saves us. In Luke 22, Jesus heals the ear of the servant of the high priest. He said, happy new ear. No, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I struggled whether I'd go with that, but it worked. All right. <laughs> All the dads love that one. <laughs> oh, <it's> not, <laughs> happy new ear. All right. See, what happened is that they came to get him. One of the, gets, one of the apostles chops off his ear and Jesus restores him. See, we've got to restore people. We've got to help people. We've got to be kind to people. We, our heart must be to love people, not to, to hurt them. Luke 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Understand. That if people saw Jesus like you see Jesus, they'd be running. They saw Jesus for who he was. They'd be running to Jesus. I ran to Jesus because I had a revelation of who he was. And I ran and I gave my life and I thank God for Jesus every day of my life. But the people out there, they just don't. I mean, I talk with some people and they have no idea that, that just the fact that I'm a Christian antagonizes them, right? Just, it just makes them mad because they just see it as such foolishness. The Bible says that the, 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 the things of God are foolishness to those who are perishing because they don't understand because it doesn't come through knowledge. It comes by revelation. But you can be the person that revelation comes by. Pray for people to have a revelation. When they see it, then they'll run to Jesus. I don't have to be because Jesus actually is enough. Jesus actually doesn't need me to promote him or be a salesman for him. I just have to point people to him and Jesus can do the rest. Maybe the band can come. So I finish in my last scripture. Luke 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. So I think if you're going to be reading the Bible, it's probably a good thing. And many of you would be saying, you know, I'm going to start a Bible shred, do the Bible in 30 days. I think a number of people are doing that at the moment over the next little while. Right? Well, before you do, why don't you pray, God, open my eyes, open my mind to understand these Scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things.
want everyone just to close their eyes right now. In 2024, become a witness. Become a labourer in the kingdom. Jesus said, the fields are white with harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would send labourers. You know, we talk about that in serving and doing something in the church and getting involved. And so we should, it can mean that. But in the context, talking about the world, talking about salvation. It's talking about people coming to Jesus, about seeing the kingdom extended. The harvest is plentiful. It's not about the unsaved. It's about us being willing to be a laborer. Are you willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable spot? Are you willing to love the unlovely? Are you willing to give grace to those who don't really deserve it? Are you going to love those who reject you and be mad with you and live completely opposite to the way that, that you know to be the right way? Are you going to be making life all about the church or are you going to make it about the harvest? Jesus established the church in Caesarea Philippi, right in the midst of the worst sins in the whole nation. In Caesarea Philippi, there was debauchery. There was idolatry. There was every evil sin that could ever, ever known to man. It was created for sin. It was created for people to sin. And Jesus stopped right there. And He says, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the ever-living God. And Jesus says to him, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. And on this, the rock of revelation, the rock of Jesus Christ, in the midst of this sinning world, I establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, let us be witnesses of who you are. I pray, let us not make it all about stuff, laws, right behaviours, all of those things. Let us be labourers. Labourers that win the loss to Christ. Father, I pray that as we go into the year 2024, Give us a heart for the unsaved. Father, when we're driving home today, let's look into that car next to us and say, God, that person could be going to hell. Give us a heart for people who have yet to know you, oh God. Father, those people at work. 
Father, let us be laborers in your kingdom to see the harvest come. Let 2024 be a year of momentum of souls, of people giving their lives to Christ, coming from every area of society, oh God. Use us. Use us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand. I want to pray. We're going to finish with a, a, a fast song in just a moment. But I want us to pray for souls. Can we just pray for souls right now? Come on, raise your hand to heaven. Let's just, for this last minute or so, let's just turn this last service of 2023 into a prayer meeting. Father, we ask, oh God, that you would send, Father, those who have yet to hear the gospel, oh Lord, that you would use us, oh God, to see people get saved, oh God. You would bring people, oh God, across our path who are just ready, oh Lord. Father, Lord, help us be able to put a mustard seed of faith into their lives, oh God, to get a direction, oh Lord. Father, give us an attitude of love to the enemies of the church. Give us an attitude of prayer. Give us an attitude of care. Give us an attitude of effort. Give us an attitude of doing, oh God. Father, we would see people come to Jesus. <coughs> Father, we exist to see people come to Jesus, oh God, to go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all the world and proclaim the gospel. Go out all the world and proclaim the gospel. Father, be people saved, oh God. Father, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is one of those sermons where you don't ask for people to come to the front. This is where the sermons where I kind of go, get out and go and do it. It didn't come out right, did it? All right. I didn't mean it like that. Like, get out. Right? No. It's just like, go out. That's better. Go out <laughs> and speak the gospel. Be the gospel. Be Jesus in the circumstances. You know, tonight we're going to have our watch night service. I, I love watch night. I think it's a great way to bring in a new year, to kind of set a direction of what you're wanting for the things of 2024. They, they are wanting God to be first. And by putting God first in that first minute, that first time, I just think is a great kind of symbolic of what can happen. I believe God's got a few nice things He's going to do tonight. So if you haven't got anywhere to go, you're very welcome here. It's going to be great. It's going to be nice. Chris is going to be leading worship, just a nice acoustic worship. It's just going to be a, a wonderful night. God bless you. Have a great 2025, I don't see you. Finish at 11 a.m.